There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Previously on the Mike Wise Show. I'm I'm not saying the NBA uh, doesn't have its own flaws. Uh, If if we're we're talking about leagues that are interested in having uh, coaches and players uh, express themselves. Well, do you have one coach that will talk like Popovich or Steve Kerr? Thank God we don't. Thank God the NFL why? doesn't. Why? Why because Pop why? and Kerr aren't qualified, Mike. They're damn gym teachers trying to run into the history class and tell everybody what they should be doing in history. They're, 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 just, as, they're, they're just as qualified as you and I to speak about social justice. And, and Which we're not that qualified, Mike. That was today's guest back in September of 2019 with his opinion on NBA coaches speaking out for social justice. That seems like ages ago. So let's find out if his views have changed in the wake of George Floyd's killing and the explosion of emotion we've experienced in our country over the last two weeks. But first, Darlene, get us started. The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise-ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? That's right, Darlene. Thank you, as always. Jason Whitlock is one of America's most controversial sports commentators. He's making his third appearance on The Mike Wise Show and his first since the killing of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor. Those killings have set off a wave of protests over the past two weeks that have shaken this country to its core. Here at Pure Hoops Media, our recent shows have tried to deal with the implications of racism in our country. This week, Jason, who obviously is African-American, will share his perspective. And while many of us will disagree with his feelings, including me, there are people around the country that agree with him. So welcome, as usual, Jason. Let's put this out there, Jason, before we even welcome you. You just completed five years at Fox Sports One's Speak for Yourself. Uh, congratulations on a nice five-year run. Appreciate it, Mike. The show actually ran four years. I was at Fox Sports for five. First year, you know, the show was in development. But, yeah, we did four years, and, you know, I'm I'm moving on to the next chapter. Well, it's funny you say that because every time somebody leaves something, a show, whether it's Tony Kornheiser giving up his radio show in D.C. or Joe Rogan or whoever it is, the, the 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 immediate um, response is, oh my God, are you okay? Are you? Oh God! I remember when, when even when shoot, Rich Eisen left ESPN years ago when they didn't come to contract terms. They're going, um, he's he's not a person anymore. He's not working for ESPN. Well, of course, Rich Eisen did pretty well. You're 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 being said to. I mean, it's being said that you may go into 
direct consumer marketing, basically taking your product straight to the people. This has worked out for people like Joe Rogan, Bill Simmons, others. Uh, can you give us any information on your next chapter? Well, you know, I saw where Andrew Marchand used the term direct to consumer, and that's like a term. When I read that in his story, that was the first I had heard that. Yeah. And so maybe I don't understand that concept, but I, I will. What I will say is where I think he's accurate. I think the term is accurate. I'm just a bit unfamiliar with it. I, I, I've said pretty clearly in some interviews, and I make no secret of it, that I just think when I look around at the people that have had an impact in this business here in the recent years, whether it's Bill Simmons or David Portnoy or Ben Shapiro or Dave Rubin, uh, they, they've built their own platforms. And I just think that's where the highest impact in terms of uh, financial value you can have. And at 53, uh, you know, I've got a limited amount of time to, in my view, to go that route. And, you know, I think that what I was doing at Fox Sports was uh, successful in gaining traction. But in my calculation, you know, where where could I be and what should I be doing to make sure that, you know, I'm good for the next 15 years? You know, I figure I want to work another 15, 20 years. Uh, I needed to build my own platform. And so, I mean, look, anybody can punch some of those names I rattled off into Google and uh, see what they sold their platforms for. Or, or you look at a guy like Ben Shapiro who has has not sold his platform but has an amazing platform uh where his voice is relevant and his you know he generates quite a bit of uh value for himself that's the direction i feel like i need to go uh and you know i said in a interview that you know i'm looking for something opportunity based not fear based and i just felt like you know for me to stay at fs1 based off of what they were offering, uh, you know, there wasn't great opportunity. It was more about, hey, we're in a pandemic and just stay the course. Uh, and that's not what I want to do. I want to reach the very top of the profession and I want to generate as much value as I can for myself. Well, Jason Whitlock, all I can tell you is I've known you for a long time. You've taken a lot of gambles in your career including just eviscerating people that you would think you would work with again. And it didn't seem to hurt you. You always re rebounded. I, I, um, I think that people are hungry for this content. I will say this. You and I have different ideas on many things, although we've been friends for a long time. The people you mentioned are pretty much, you know, uh, they're, they're not dog whistling to conservative America, but these are people who, who very much have – been identified as people on the right in this country. Joe Rogan? Not Joe Rogan, I'm sorry. Or Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons? Well, okay. Ben Shapiro. Uh, Dave Rubin? I mean, uh, I, I don't I'm know. Trying to, I'm trying to pigeonhole you as a conservative. Yeah, you don't, don't, don't want to be the that. The guy that's never voted, the guy that really hasn't participated in politics. 
Look, man, I was raised a Christian, and I've never backed away from that at any point in my career. Uh, And so I would prefer to be identified as a Christian. This political lens that everybody else wants to transform people on so they can assign teams and assign perspectives and point of view, my perspective is Christian. I, I actually stick to the values that I was raised with and believe in. And then I think the second thing that defines me is, you know, athletics, football, and the values taught in athletics and football. And uh, I stick to those values. If When you're on a team, a coach will tell you, hey, if there's any problem, we start with the people inside this locker room. We don't look outside for solutions. We look inward. We look at the man in the mirror. And, uh, you know, sports, football, they tend to be a meritocracy. And so I just stick to the values that got me here. I stick to the values that my father believed in. And, like, my fa- I am Jimmy Whitlock's son, and my all right, father. All right, hold on. R.I.P. Masterpiece Lounge. Yeah. Uh, you know, my father went into business for himself. Uh, because that's what he believed in. He didn't want to work for corporate America his whole life. He wanted to be his own boss and create his own little sphere of happiness in America. And so I I get people's uh, intent to put everybody in these little political camps, but it, it just amazes me because I've never participated in politics, and I've been very outspoken about that. And Hell, my parents disagree with me about it, but uh, the little political game that everybody else plays, I'm just not that interested in. But So go ahead with the dog whistling or whatever, because, again, if, I, if we go down that lane, I can explain to you how white liberals dog whistle in a very racist fashion. Uh, but we know, I'm just not we interested over? in smearing people. Uh, just, you know, for clicks and giggles. All right. Well, you, but look, you've, you've put different people in the virtual virtue signaling camp. And yeah, one of them no, was I LeBron people, James. I, I think that social media causes all of us and some people more acutely to virtue signal. We, again, Twitter, social media, it's a stage. What do people do on a stage? They perform. They act. They want to be seen and portrayed in a certain way. And I think that social media provokes a level of phoniness that's unhealthy because it's a stage. People perform. Hmm. I looked at... Um, you said football is one of your calling cards because of the values. <laughs> Look, I feel a lot of the same things uh, about the game and sports in general. Did you see Roger Goodell's statement about saying they were wrong about how they viewed people kneeling? They were wrong about everything. What was that to you? I'm not a thousand percent sure. It it, it certainly struck me yesterday when I saw it Friday. And, you know, I'm not sure if I was 
a fan of it. Uh, but I'm not sure what he's trying to accomplish other than perhaps peace through uh, empathy, through uh, trying to convey that he and the league understand uh, where the players are coming from. Uh, I, I think he's in a difficult spot because they're trying to put on a 2020 football season that was already going to be difficult because they were going to be limited, in, I think, in terms of how many fans can come to the games and how do you televise this. And I think he thinks his league is going to be overrun with gestures and sim- symbolic messages where, you know, it's not just a football game you're watching. You're watching uh, a lot of statements about how the players feel about race in America and how the players feel about uh, police misconduct. And, you know, he's got a football TV show to put on, and I think he's trying to pacify the players so that it – you know, it's still a football TV show and not a political rally. I, I think he, I think he's a complete hypocrite, and he puts his finger in the air and he decides which way the financial tea leaves are, are, are um, actually. What's his job, Mike? His job, Isn't you're like you said, it's to, to put, put on, it's to put figure on, out which way he, the financial he, tea leaves yeah, are but going. It's, it's to put on a TV show, but to actually admit essentially that you've denied a guy an employment for three years. Because uh, because of how your, your your stubbornness about the flag and your whole thing is you used it as a proxy for patriotism and now you realize after this Drew Brees comment that all of a sudden the backlash is so intense that you're going to lose seventy to seventy five percent of your workforce who happens to be black. So I think Roger Goodell is okay, the biggest. Well, what did Drew Brees say that was so outrageous? What did he say that was outrageous? Yeah. I don't know if outrageous is the term. I would say tone deaf. What did he say that was so offensive? Tone deaf. See, I don't think Drew Brees or anybody had a problem with him saying, I respect the flag and I stand for the flag and that's important. The problem is when he's got that kind of platform, if he's misconstruing what that what what that uh, symbolic kneeling is about, which was, in my estimation, the divide between law enforcement and the black community and people of color in this in this in this world. If that's what the if that's what everybody in their mom this is says, America, Drew Brees has every right to feel however he wants to feel. Particularly, fine. again, I can't any I, no one can describe to me what he did that was offensive. Well, not offenses, but tone deaf. Like if if you're if seventy, you get to be tone deaf in America. Is it somewhere in the Constitution you can't be tone deaf? Well, no, there's not. You can be. You can also. You you suffer the consequences for your quarterback in a league in which seventy percent of the people are African American. And so, do you believe that all seventy percent? Let's there's say sixteen hundred NFL players. Uh, let's say 1,100 of them are black. You think all 1,100 players are offended by Drew Brees' comments? 1,100 uh, black players. 
I mean, what no, but that, is, but that has on? nothing to do with it. That's, that's like saying every native, uh, every black person has. No, but to what have, person would we say half of them? Ten percent. I, I didn't take. I didn't take. Uh, I, I didn't take a poll. I hope you didn't either. I think it's insulting. I think well, everybody I know, should I just be wanted, able. To... I'm just trying to figure out who all was offended. This great mass, and he's Roger Goodell's going to lose seventy percent of his players. I just think that's an overstatement. Okay, so let's say he loses twenty uh, percent of his players, and those players happen to be stars. <laughs> you don't have a good TV show to put on. That's what it comes down to. Well, I'm not sure if that twenty percent all are going to be stars. I, I do think that twenty percent may all be addicted to social media and saw Drew Brees as an opportunity to build a following and uh, to, to virtue signal and and. You know, Drew Brees was fodder for them, uh, you know, to build their own following. But Drew Brees, I think, wants to stand on his actions over the 20 years he's been in the NFL. I've never heard anyone really say anything bad about Drew Brees over that 20 years. His commitment to New Orleans after Katrina, uh, during the COVID deal. I think says a lot more about him than the fact that he said, and I believe, and I'm, I don't know if I can quote this verbatim, that he disagrees with people kneeling during the flag because this is how I feel during the national anthem and flag. He has a right to disagree with people kneeling during the flag. That's fine. He, I, I completely. I don't think that's offensive. I, okay. And I think the people. I think he's been mistreated. I think okay. I'm not so offended why does, when so why people does disagree Drew, with me. So why does Drew Brees come back and say, "I know because there's not he's much been forced I can... to"? So he doesn't. So he, in his heart, he doesn't. He's not really. Hell uh, no, he's he doesn't. I am regret. sorry, he and I will do better. I will be part of the solution. Drew Brees does not mean this. I am sorry. I will do better, and I will be part of the solution. And I am your ally. He's saying to yeah, Black Lives he, Matter. I think he everybody both. I think he ally. can believe that. And believe that he disagrees with people kneeling during the national anthem. You can believe both. Uh, okay, I, I don't, I don't have a problem with him respecting the flag. The only thing I have a problem with, and I think most people is, is basically making most this... people. Wow. Uh, okay, let's you say think for most people. Does it? Does it really matter? Does it really matter how many people? If I think that. If I think that 20,000 players around the country in different sports say, you know, this is why Colin Kaepernick kneeled. Whether you think he's a fraud, whether you think he's now an activist, whether you think he's a genuine, uh, the, the, the new renaissance of social conscience among athletes in this world, whatever you think he is, whether you think he's the new Muhammad Ali or he's not, uh, or he's just some, you know, Greta Garbo recluse that never shows his face, whatever you think he is, the guy said... He's kneeling to protest the divide between law enforcement and the black community. He's not kneeling because he doesn't care about the troops overseas or America. He likes this country. Like, what, what, what's wrong? Like, can, can you believe both when it comes to that, too? Colin Kaepernick has used this whole police brutality deal to increase his brand with Nike and sell a signature shoe. The guy is a fraud and a phony. And oh. 
if if he were still if he had never lost his starting quarterback job, he would have never taken a knee. Period. End of story. There are athletes that care about police issues and police brutality and the pursuit of equality, blah, blah, blah. There are that believe in that. I just don't think Kaepernick's one of them. Bruce Bernstein, you're listening to this. You don't even have to weigh in. Clip that quote. It will get more downloads than freaking even Mark Cuban. Yeah, Whitlock, I love you, baby. Um, But look, I know you felt that way for a while. I also think, and you know, and people don't know. Some people don't know this. Let's let's remind them. Every time you try to put Jason Whitlock into a basket, a team, uh, put him, put a label on him. The bottom line is he did lose someone very close to him because of police brutality, and and it's still one of the most wrong things in America, and. And this guy has more credentials than anybody when it comes to this kind of uh, violence and how people are treated differently, especially growing up in Indianapolis. I will say this. Do you are you bothered by everyone and their mom trying to put you as sort of the the you know, the African-American guy who's going to tell it like white America sees it? I think that I tell things the way that I see them. I was raised in the church, small black church in Indianapolis. I was raised in athletics and football. I stick to those values. How people want to portray that for their agenda or so that they don't even have to engage in an authentic conversation, that's on them. My problem with Kaepernick and a lot of the public gestures and the whole racializing of police misconduct is because it's ineffective. It's not helping us address the issues related to police misconduct and police brutality. Police overuse of force is a societal issue. It's not a racial issue. And if, if you want to affect real change and improve things. You have to define problems in a societal way, not in a racial way. As long as people, as long as, well, that ain't my problem, when it really is. Police overuse of force is a societal issue. The stats, the evidence, everything bears this out, that it's not particular to one demographic. It's a societal well, issue. Okay. It's a, so, an abuse of power and authority, and it needs to be addressed that way. And, and until it is addressed that way, we'll never have an improvement in this issue, uh, and we'll never be able to get people to see common ground and get on board with affecting change. And so as long as it's defined as this racial issue, which ignores the facts. As long as it's defined that way, there'll never be progress. There will only be this massive divide that we have in this country. Yeah, we could argue all day about whether or not it's a racial issue. The bottom line is we all agree on this, except for maybe our president and the Buffalo Police Union, is that you're right. 
police brutality is a <clears throat> whether it's whether it's whether people believe it's racial, whether it's a systemic issue in law enforcement forever. Uh, people believe this. I think it's like it's like they got Al Capone on taxes and he ended up dying in prison. I think this whatever happens going forth here, I think this does get some of the police brutality issues and the overuse of force um, in this country. I I think it addresses some of those things. And I think these rallies are so large and for better or worse, I've seen Black Lives Matters rallies where there's only white people. Now, part of me is like, yeah, they're all- That's a telltale sign, but go ahead. But go ahead, tell me why it's a telltale sign. Because, because they're all virtue signaling. Being, black people are being used, Mike. Black people are being used. Black people are being killed in the street. By, by who, Mike? By everybody, including... No, 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 by, by who? Look, if we're going to racialize this, let's just stick to the data. By who? Because, again, I'm black. I have... You have the convenience of getting off this deal, and you get to go be a white guy in suburban America. This is true. I've been black for 53 years. That's not changing. I don't want it to change. I know why we're dying in the streets. We can just lay the numbers out and say why we're dying in the streets. We have a problem amongst ourselves, a disrespect and a vitriol and a... Uh, a self-esteem issue amongst ourselves that why homicide is one of the leading causes of death for young black men. And so, again, this whole Black Lives Matter bullshit, it's white perpetrators matter. That's what this is all about. Because if Black Lives Matter, we wouldn't sit around and put our finger in the air and wait, well, hold on, what, what color is the person that killed him? We're going to decide then on how upset we're going to be. I don't. That's some straight up black, black lives bullshit. Matters is, black, black lives matters is bullshit. Is not. I, I don't. How could you say that after after what's happened? This, this because last of what week? I just said and laying out all the facts. There's only they only care about the perpetrator. They don't care about the life. So if the life is white, they don't care about it. I don't understand. What no, do no, 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 Mike. Quit playing a game. Seriously, I don't have time for a bullshit, dishonest conversation. What's the bullshit, dishonest conversation? When a black man dies, the thing Black Lives Matter cares about is the perpetrator. Because the overwhelming majority of young black men that die by homicide, by a map, by more than 95%, the perpetrator is black. Not a word is ever said about that. They sit around and wait until they find out who the perpetrator is, and then they care. So it's not about the black life. It's about the white perpetrator. White it's, perpetrators matters. That's what this is. I think you make a compelling argument about our jadedness in society for, for, for shoot, hundreds of years I don't I think you also dismiss the fact that there are a lot of people of every color in this country that actually saw and started to actually find out about the life of George Floyd and what this guy was about and that 
you know, irrespective of the fact that he spent time in prison for armed robbery, he was trying to change his life around. And my, he really did. he didn't cousin, deserve to die on the street. My and, cousin, and everybody realizes Anton that. Butler, who was killed by sheriffs in Indianapolis. But name name it use his name got again. The exact wanna... same kind of rap sheet as George Floyd. Use his name again. I want to have his name. A different perpetrators than George Floyd. What was his name? Anton Butler. Yep. Okay. May okay. 2012. Different perpetrator, same rap sheet, same, same per loved him to death, helped raise him the best human being in my view, my family ever created. Circumstances, environment, sent him down a path that's unfortunate. He had a criminal rap sheet. He did in in our view, did not deserve to be killed. But no one knows or cares because his perpetrator wasn't white. Yeah, I don't so know. The, the whole thing just rings as bullshit to me, Mike. It's not Black Lives Matter. It's white perpetrators matter. Those you're, are just facts. I can't, I can't sit here and tell you you're wrong if you've lost somebody to this. I'm just saying, if you're saying if the killer is black, Black Lives Matter Show doesn't me the care example. about the Black Lives Matter doesn't care about the black lives lost. I can't believe that. I can't believe that. Fine. <laughs> That's it. Fine. Uh, let, let's go to um, let's go to the the what I would call some of the most well controversial comments, or at least different than most of society. I've sit here and said, told we've we've argued about how enlightened the NBA is, and you've told me, look. These guys, Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich, they're glorified gym teachers. Take it easy. Why do they have to be the biggest? Do you feel any differently about some of their statements than you did back then? No. Why? Because they care about, as it relates to police brutality, they care about white perpetrators. Their agenda is about cleaning up white perpetrators. It, it has nothing to do with black life. And so I just think they're phony and fraudulent, and I think they're well out over their skis, uh, at, uh, pretending like they're these powerful voices on politics. Put the whistle back in your mouth and coach basketball. You're not That's geopolitical uh, experts and authorities. Yeah, but see, that that argument takes away from the fact that some of the biggest changes in society have happened because sports people that were supposed to just uh, shut up and dribble actually got out of their boxes. Whether it would be Muhammad Ali, Arthur Ashe, Jim Brown, like people actually well, took uh, uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, based off his religious beliefs declined to enter into the military what were his other you know and that was based off his individual political beliefs he made a decision and became a symbol for people's problem with the vietnam war got no problem with it i actually agree the guy stuck to his beliefs the things he believes in took a courageous stand on his beliefs what were these other political 
things that Muhammad Ali did? P political things? Yeah, well, I mean, this other great, these other changes he brought to society. I, if you don't think Muhammad Ali has been... No, 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 no. I'm asking... I'm not arguing okay, one way or the other. Saying, I'm asking you a question. I, you're right. It's a good question. The, the, the answer is the guy was more for peace in this world than half the people that say they were for peace. And, I, you know, I, I, can't, I can't sit here and say Muhammad Ali did so nothing but boycott the Vietnam War. in the ring and beats the brains out of somebody is more for peace than Gandhi and, I mean, than anybody on this planet. Muhammad Ali, based off his religious beliefs, didn't want to join the United States military and participate in a war. Mm. That's all we know. How, how much he was for peace, I, I don't mm. know. I, I Again, and based off the organization, the religious organization he was involved in, I don't know if that's the Peace Corps. Well, he's not the Peace Corps, but he he didn't he he abandoned Elijah Muhammad's view of Islam. Eventually, yes. Yeah, it took him a while. But this is a guy. You know, like, how do we get into a program where you're now killing Muhammad Ali? I can't. I'm not killing that. Muhammad Ali. No, I don't know why you would frame it as killing Muhammad Ali. Why the, the hell better... would you take me out of context and try to put me in a lane that I haven't expressed? What kind of shit is that? What kind of shit is that? You just said he hasn't done anything but stand up for the I Vietnam War. I didn't say he hasn't done anything. I asked you a question. I I said he's a, I said he was a he was a a mis a messenger for peace in this world. That's not it, what you said. That's what you just said now. What did I say before? That he's done more for peace than anybody. No, I didn't. I said anybody on the planet. I didn't say I didn't say Gandhi. I didn't say I understand that. That was a rhetorical response by me. <laughs> oh, my God. President Trump is getting called out on social media after posing in front of a church with a Bible. I mean, you couldn't have been excited by his quote about George Floyd. We, we, can, we can at least condemn that. Like, it was a great what, day. What was the quote? And, I, you know, again, politicians say a lot of dumb shit. But what was the quote? I, I, again, I don't monitor Trump the way that others do. I, it, it's who the president is. It, it's all irrelevant to me. But go. What, what, what quote? The actual quote. Let's see. Uh, Bruce, do you have the actual quote there? I don't have the actual quote, but it was something to the effect of Trump was giving a speech on Friday about how the surprisingly good is. job numbers were, were should you know, hopefully George is having a great day looking down on this because it's a great day for equality. That yeah. was basically yeah. it. He basically said, this is a great thing that's happening for our country. It's a great day for him. It's a great day for everybody in terms of equality. Like, I, I mean... The guy can't be stopped. I think that a lot of politicians are grandstanding by using George Floyd on both sides of the aisle. And so Trump may be more inarticulately grandstanding, but they're all doing the same thing. That's that's I said, I think that's pretty accurate. Um, you. Are you going to miss any of your cohorts on Speak for Yourself? 
Um, I, I also want to throw in this before you say anything. You know, Whitlock's taking a lot of guff in this country for things like that he probably doesn't deserve to, including the fact that um, he's he's angered all of uh, black media. Jason Whitlock had the only Mike, Mike, thought, Mike, Mike. Yeah. I mean, I would just tell you what I take a lot of is you and I allegedly are friends. I, I'm getting mischaracterized constantly by someone who alleges purports to be a friend of mine. Wait, how All of black media is a hyperbolic statement that's fucking ridiculous in my mind. But right, continue, we'll, we'll Mike. Take, we'll take this quote out. Bruce, make sure we edit that out because that is um, – that, that's, that's – Why? You get to slander me. I don't get to say anything in response? Oh, if you wanted to stay in, that's fine. You don't think that most uh, most people in this country have unfairly characterized you as a person – No, no, you said all. media? You said all. And no, I don't think most. I really don't. Okay. I think there's a handful of people in the media – black and white who have a problem with me, I think social media creates the appearance that, oh, my God, Whitlock is hated and his point of view is hated. I just don't think it's borne out by reality. Well, I think there's a lot of people who, um, I think there's a lot of people that feel that way. And I only say that because I can't tell you how many times I've defended you to these people uh, on the phone and face to face, you run in but different circles than I do. Because we're allegedly friends, I you know I, I didn't do that. So so I just wanted to get to the uh, you know I was going to say something nice about your career, which is you had the only show all um, all African American men on television talking about sports, and that was your doing. So I you know I. I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what you want from your friends. I was trying to ask you some real questions. I would just like to be characterized properly, and the things that I say characterized properly. I don't think it's that hard of a standard, Mike. I could. The next time you have me on, I'll interview you, and I'm going to interview you the way that friends interview each other, and <laughs> while still being journalistically sound, okay. and while still. Asking okay. you tough questions, I'm but I'm not going to mischaracterize you constantly yeah. and and say, well, now you're taking a dump on Muhammad Ali and blah, blah, blah. I, I'm not going to do that because that's not who I am. And I get it. You're in a more difficult position than me because I think you care more about how you're perceived over social media and things like that. <laughs> I don't care. And so yeah, um... I'm just going to stick to what I believe. There, here comes the condescending Jason coming well, out. Again, you know the condescending. Like, like, you don't get you care way. more about. Go back you. and listen to the things you're saying about me and the way I'm being characterized, and see if you wouldn't be offended. But uh, I mean, go Jason, ahead. I'm not Jason. I'm not the one who actually puts out there that LeBron is virtuous virtue signaling because he says I, that's a fair that, question. I don't have a problem with it. LeBron does virtue signal. He's a spokesman for Nike. Okay. This whole so he list, and so he he's some kind of great about, uh, libertarian, and he's akin to Nelson Mandela is a joke. Okay, so he doesn't give a crap about. I all didn't the say things. that. Okay, did I just so, say he doesn't give a crap? So wait about a minute, he's a spokesman for Mike Nike. So he is. Okay, so he's a spokesman for Nike. So does that have anything to do with his own conviction? Mm, yeah, I think any time, and again. 
I think any time you sign up to be a spokesman for a global corporation that has uh, the kind of ties that Nike does to China or whatever, I think you have to question the authenticity of virtually any of their public statements because at all times they got to be acting in Nike's best interest. And so I don't think LeBron's any different than the kind of scrutiny that Michael Jordan dealt with during his career, why he doesn't say X, Y, and Z. I think those same questions apply to LeBron. Why does he say X, Y, and Z? I think both of them, during their times, acted in the interest of Nike. And so during Michael Jordan's time, it was better to say nothing. During this time, it's better to say more and to say things to me that are pleasing to China, a Communist Party-run country that is in competition with the United States of America and has a major problem with Donald Trump and the direction America seems to be going. So, yeah, I, I, the same questions that apply to Michael Jordan, I think, apply to LeBron James. What do those Nike corporate strings provoke those guys to do? I, I'm sorry, I can't go there. I think Michael Jordan had uh, was more tied to his uh, financial well-being than LeBron James, who was also fairly rich. So I don't, I don't know. I, I think, look, yeah, I, I get, I agree with you that going woke now doesn't make you broke anymore, like it did in the '60s. And it I actually think it makes you rich. But go ahead. No, you're right. I think if a person with I think if a person, uh, a, a prominent person, let's say Tom Brady, came out as, uh, I love Giselle, whatever, she's been a beard, I'm actually gay, I think Tom Brady would get a signature line of clothing, apparel, that would be targeted to the gay community. Because this is, this is where we are in society. I think it's progress, but I also think it says something about um, where all of a sudden being uh, an enlightened quote woke person can make you money now. And people are jumping on that bandwagon. And I do believe that Nike raised its finger in the air. Like I believe Roger Goodell did and said, which way is the financial wind blowing? Well, all these old white people that are buying our product are going to eventually die. We have a lot of young people now who feel like they need to protest. Uh, they're our next market consumers. Let's go and give Colin Kaepernick a million-dollar commercial, and let's get on this side. I agree with all that. I still don't see what's wrong with it. I still don't see maybe Do I think financial motivation is bad for this? Yeah, but if it's in your heart, I mean, I, My, I don't know. Why, why not go a step further and think that you, you think it's like, oh, we got these young people here in America. Nike would sacrifice the entire American market for more business in China. That's the important. The Asian markets are the important deal. What's going on over here in America? Ah, it's important, but it ain't as important as China. And so I think that's their agenda. And when you're talking about a country that really abuses human rights and in terms of racism towards black people, America, light years ahead of China, 
light years, having spent 40000 of my own dollars paying off somebody so a Ball State black football player could get out of a Chinese prison on some bullshit. I'm just not as sympathetic or don't see uh, China as some good actor and, oh, my God, they just love black people and it's so much better over there. China is America's natural enemy. It's run by a communist party. It is abhorrently racist. Okay, abhorrently racist. And we are light years ahead of them. But I see so many Nike athletes. uh, The the things that I see them doing are to curry favor in China, rather as promoting what's best for America. Do you know what, man? I can't believe this. We are 40 minutes into this freaking program, and I agree with every damn word you said right there. (laughs) The only thing two longtime friends have agreed upon, I completely, the whole thing you said about China and Trump, that completely makes sense. I agree with all that. Nonetheless, you're wrong on a lot of other things. And you know it, and I know it. No, I think, again, I wouldn't put any thoughts into my head or speculate about what I believe, but I hear you. <laughs> All right, let's do some quick uh, lightning round for, for Jason Whitlock never talks to me again. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Um, Roger Goodell. What? Is there a question or what? Oh, yeah, I would just kind of throw it. And like, you know how they do on those cool shows? where they actually throw out the name and you just kind of give a response about something like it's really cheesy. I just think he's in a tough spot. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody could have anticipated uh, the coronavirus pandemic followed by uh, the racial pandemic we have going on here in America. And, uh, you know, I, I think he was having uh, – a great, a very effective summer in the way that they handled the coronavirus when everybody was telling them to shut down and they soldiered on. Um, I think this latest issue uh, along the lines of race, I think is difficult for any leader in any industry uh, to wrap their arms around and come up with a appropriate response. And so, you know, I'm going to be patient and, you know, let Roger Goodell, Adam Silver, uh, Rob Manfred, I'm going to be patient and try to uh, see how they handle this and, and, you know, not try to jump to any conclusions instantly. All right. Whitlock Goodell, sympathizer, trying to get the next job in the NFL for vice president of player programs. Um <laughs> That's hyperbolic ridiculousness. That's what that was. All right, Jamel Hill. Uh, you know, I just think that uh, she's someone who has been captured by social media. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of us, uh the dopamine high of social media can bait many of us into so thinking true. that we work for Twitter 
and that uh, that Twitter is an accurate reflection of reality. And so, to some degree, I'm sympathetic uh, because, I mean, these algorithms and the things generated out of Northern California and Silicon Valley are specifically designed to make us addicted. And Twitter, social media, that's the matrix. And many of us, too many of us in the media, in the athlete world, uh, in the celebrity world, have been captured by the Matrix. I just think she has a very acute case. Okay, that's strong. Marcellus Wiley, your your co-host on Speak for Yourself for uh, four years. Well, not actually, only a couple years. Uh, great family man. Uh, respect uh, what he's accomplished being raised and born in Compton, California, uh, to graduate from an Ivy League school, put together a very successful NFL career, and then transition into a broadcasting career while building a family uh, with his wife, Anna Marie. You know, Marcellus is the American dream. That's fair. Uh, last but not least, Mike Wise. Uh, guilt-ridden liberal, uh, you know, who clearly uh, has a complicated view of me. And uh, I worked with you. What do you want? Yeah, and and struggles to and look, it's very tough being my friend because. You know, there is a segment of the media, and there's certainly social media that puts a lot of pressure on people. And the thing that I think, Mike, you might misconstrue is that uh, I just, I don't feel like, friends of mine, I don't feel like I owe them a debt because they defend me. I would tell them not to defend me. I would tell them to let idiots be idiots, and because the fact about me are so crystal clear and clear cut from you you mentioned speak for yourself but go back to the undefeated anything that i've been involved with building has been beneficial to black people those facts speak for themselves uh and you know but the social media matrix i said it in a recent interview it makes what's obvious a mystery it renders the truth irrelevant and I just arguing with people that have bought into the social media narrative or whatever is a waste of time. Just I would just keep it moving, ignore the people, don't spend a lot of time trying to convince people of things that they already fucking know. They're just playing a game. And uh so that that's that's all I would say there. Well, I wouldn't. I, I would never feel that uh, you owe me a debt because I defended you. That's just what I do for my friends. So, and I, you know, look. It, it, people talk about how polarized we are in this country. If there's no progress at all in this country, the fact that a black man can articulate views that are not necessarily. Uh, 
pre or you know prepackaged and coming from um, coming from Black Lives Matter, or whatever. I think is progress. To me, a journalist, yeah, is fact driven, not anecdote driven, and a journalist can see that social media has made the entire media, and now we're seeing it play out in the public. The media is anecdote-driven, not fact-driven. Yeah. And so now, because of the media has been sending out this anecdote-driven worldview, the America, there's a significant segment of the American population whose worldview is driven by anecdotes. And as a oh. journalist, that's I see that as highly dangerous and why we have this chaos right now that we have in America. I, Some people have strung together 15 to 20 anecdotes over the last uh, seven years and said, look, look at these 15 to 20 anecdotes. The police are randomly killing black people. When seven years of analysts of evidence facts, data, blah, blah, contradict that completely. Well, it's why, it's why people believe that Hillary Clinton was r running a slave shop of children out of a pizza parlor in D.C. We, uh, we agree on this. The, no, there is I, no I real journalism. Again, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand how she got dragged into this and that people, because well, I, I, I don't even I, know I, what I anecdote that would be built on. Well, and I think so that I'm making a completely different point. That that's just like some fake news narrative that no, somebody no, no, came no, up like with. We do this on both sides. We do the the reason that Donald Trump is our president is because um, of 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 there is a there is a guy who's incredibly smart that that worked with Facebook, and he put out essentially. Uh, not only fake news, but you know, he, he switched the, the algorithms. Mike, I think that's a very simplistic view of what it, why he's simplistic view. There was a sixty-minute on some Facebook, blah blah blah. When Obama minutes, was, was clearly the Facebook digital light right, years ahead of anybody else in terms of okay. manipulation of social media platforms. I, I just yeah. there I, we I go again. I got Barack Obama on my walls. Uh, uh, like I, I all I'm trying to say my, is there's no politicians I, on my wall. Okay. All I got, I got to Jesus, say, <laughs> but no politicians. Uh, well, he had his own problems. The guy was like so needy. I mean, wh why did he need all the affirmation? Couldn't he have just worked on himself? I'm kidding. Um, look, this has been great, man. I, you know, you're always, uh, you're always real. I appreciate the time. And I'll, I'll go back to this. The fact that we're friends, I think, says something about this society. We don't have, you know, we, we don't agree on everything. But um, and sometimes we don't vehem we vehemently disagree on things, but we talk about it. And uh, you know, that's all I can ask for. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it, brother. That was dope. <laughs> Thanks to Jason Whitlock for joining me this week, I guess. <laughs> we disagree on many issues relating to our current problems. But look, we remain friends, and it's important to be able to exchange opposing views without becoming hostile or angry, which both of us did a little bit. Thanks to my producer, Bruce Bernstein, for never becoming hostile, and our editor, Ben Wolfen, for never becoming angry, even though I'm sometimes late. All of our recent Pure Hoops media shows have addressed the issues we examine today. 
Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto and Aaron had Mark Spears of the Undefeated, my former colleague, while Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams had Big East Associate Commissioner, excuse me, Big East Associate Commissioner Stu Jackson and Villanova National Champion Daryl Reynolds. Their discussion was incredible, and I urge you to check it out. Monica McNutt, who was incredible and so full of heart on this program a week ago, on Buckets, Boards, and Blocks this week, she welcomed former Chicago Bulls Scott Burrell, who also coaches Southern Connecticut State University, and he shared his thoughts about growing up Black in America and also what it's like coaching college-aged young men. My show last week with Monica McNutt was so powerful. If you want to go back and listen, I really recommend it. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Please be kind to each other, especially now, and listen to opposing views and understand that when it comes to issues of equality and race, we've got more in common than we have differences. And I guarantee you, all of us, would move heaven and earth to protect our children and families, irrespective of what color we are. So now that we know that we're all in this together, come back next week. Peace. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.